All right, we are back with another episode of Game Chat with Tom and Lucas. I am Lucas, that is Tom, and uh, you know, if you figured out the structure of our last few episodes here, it's time for a guest-based episode, isn't that right, Tom? Yes, it is, Lucas. We've been killing it with the back and forth. We've been bringing you guys some great different voices from around the all corners of gaming, and uh, today is no different. Today, our guest is a owner and co-founder of a wonderful trading card game shop and event space in Southern Florida. It is called Prodigy Games, and our guest is named Ryan uh, Gineski. Right. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I got that pronunciation right. Maybe not. We'll find out. I'll ask him. But, you know, we'll see. I think this is going to be a great interview. We're going to find out all about trading card games, all about tabletop games. What are you excited about, Lucas? I'm excited to find out what's uh, what's popping in the trading card world. What's what's uh, popular? What's got value? You know, what's hot? What's not? And uh, you know, really, how uh, people like you and me who aren't you know in the know can uh, get in the know and get involved. For sure, for sure. It's not something we usually cover. We're usually more in the virtual space, but you know, training card games have made their way there too. So we're going to jump right into it. Uh, hopefully you guys like this one. If you want more content like this, check us out on Instagram at gamechat underscore Tom Lucas. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or follow us on Spotify. We're everywhere. We're going to continue being everywhere. And, uh, you know, if you're in Southern Florida, you'll be able to check this place out and come meet Ryan. So uh, without further ado, here's our interview with Ryan Gineski. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to today's episode of Game Chat with Tom and Lucas. Today, we have here with us, and I am totally going to butcher your, your last name, my friend, so I apologize, Ryan Nieski? You know, I think that's really close, and I think that's how you should pronounce the last name. We say Gineski, but like, doesn't make sense phonetically, so it's however you want to interpret it, man. Hey, you know, I'm just glad I was close. Uh, so... Anyway, we have Ryan Gineski here with us today. He is the co-founder and co-owner, I believe, of Prodigy Games down in Southern Florida. It is a uh, tabletop card game shop, but, you know, I'm sure Ryan can give a much better description of what Ryan's shop is about. Yeah, so it's like any other trading, not like any other, but, you know, you go to the trading card game store, you need a place to play, the hobby. It's not something you just meet at your friend's house and do. You really need that central... A place to go hang out with your friends and your community. You know, I grew up doing this for a long time, and that's how I've met lifelong friends. So we uh, specialize in selling trading cards, mostly singles and sealed product. We always try to be the lowest price online, beat any price. The whole uh, idea of opening the store was to just hang out, you know, a place to hang out with our friends and get the product they want at the cheapest price possible. We also do a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons gaming accessories. Recently, got into pops, more collectible stuff. But uh, yeah, we're primarily focused on trading cards, uh, Magic Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Carpet Vanguard, Wise Schwartz, Dragon Ball Super, One Piece, basically any of the Bandai games, uh, almost any trading card game you can imagine we sell. And um, yeah, that's why we're here, because you got to keep the hobby going. You got to have a place to go and do this stuff. So uh, yeah, that's why we opened Absolutely, man. That sounds amazing. You know, I've I've always been super interested in trading cards and a lot of tabletop games specifically. Me and Lucas uh, played a ton back when we were living together in college that, 
you know, I'm glad we got into and otherwise would not have gotten around to see uh, a good friend of mine has been like incredibly involved with magic all his life. So I I am uh, glad you could make it with us today, man. Thank you yeah. for coming. Thank you for having me. What was your first uh, focus with Prodigy Games in terms of uh, creating cards? So the first focus, the game we started with heavily was magic. At the time, my partner and I were playing magic primarily, though we came from primarily a Yu-Gi-Oh background. Um, so we were traveling to all the stores in South Florida, and we're like, well, we need a place to play in Palm Beach County. People need cheaper prices, and we want to really hook them up with the cards they need locally. So we opened up kind of just to hang out with our friends and, in all honesty, for more opportunity for me to play the game, you know? Um, so I was playing in the tournaments, but as, as I played in tournaments, they need help at the front, they have a question, you know, and it just, as we grew bigger, I was, I haven't played in any tournaments, honestly, you know? Because <laughs> it's the, the shift, the, uh, the work has shifted so much towards just, uh, you know, fostering a community more so than just giving me some more to play cards, you know? Um, Absolutely. Definitely, definitely grown bigger than we thought. Nice, nice. And, you know, that's all you can really ask for. The community aspect of it is definitely, you know, what is the coolest part. We just like to be able to go into a place and really be who we are and be ourselves and like share the love of the thing with everybody around them. That's exactly it. With these trading card game stores, I've traveled all around the world and I'll walk into a trading card game store and we don't speak the same language or we have a language barrier. And we'll still like show each other the cards and i've played matches with these guys and I, I honestly we can't really comprehend each other and our cards are in a different language but we can see the image and it's kind of like how we communicate like sign language you know it's like this okay and then you end up playing a super match cool. um that way so it's kind of like the secondary language a lot of people you know the community is worldwide and it's you can walk into any trading card game store and feel accepted and welcome so, you know, I know you guys are, like you said, are ones to host events and have tournaments and bring people in together. And and I'll jump to that in a little bit. But, you know, as quickly as you can, I guess, what, what would be like your little TLDR for how you guys like started and got to the ground level of opening up this shop? Um, so most of my life, uh, since probably about five or six, my father used to bring me to the flea market and play Pokemon and I've lived in Palm Beach County for about 30 years and we never had a place to properly play. We were playing at a flea market and a comic book store. So that's eventually why we ended up opening the store. Um, kind of how we got into it around opening the store is we were buying and selling a lot of singles back then. Uh, primarily, oh, okay. uh, he was really pushing the singles and that's how he ended up getting the funding. And that's what we initially were really reliant on when we had opened the store. And you'll find that most trading card game stores, especially when the state local are primarily focused on is, you know, you walk into the store with a hundred dollar card I give you 65 bucks for it. I sell it for hundred bucks, you know, with fees. I'm making somewhere around $20 on the card. Um, and that's kind of the whole model of a trading card game store. Um, we, we shifted a little bit away from that, but in our heart, that's, that's how we're here. You know, we're here to literally sort of like a pawn shop where you buy uh, cards for less, you sell them for more. And the players understand that too, you know, when they're selling cards to a store to supporting their store, um, they're also getting cash or we bump up 20% for store credits. So it's kind of like making a fair trade on the cards too. Okay. That makes sense. You know, you mentioned going into these different places like pawn shops, flea markets and whatnot, places where you would find these kind of like niche things out of nowhere, but where did it hit you guys, especially operating off of singles? Like you were saying, where did it hit you guys where you're like, okay, we've crossed this line. We have enough inventory where we can like, 
go in, get this done, make it happen? Well, again, uh, Will was a huge contributing factor to that. He was really pushing his own TCG player store, which is uh, like the largest online platform for selling singles in the world. Oh, okay. um, it's growing and growing and growing. They just got acquired by eBay. Um, it's pretty pretty crazy. So they were selling a lot on there. I was always selling off my own on backpacks or on Facebook groups or websites, Reddit posts, forums. Um, so, you know, he had more of the online sense where I was, I was more just connecting with people locally. But eventually, you see, you make $100, you make $200, you make $1,200, $1,800, $800. You know, you start making this money left and right. And you have the process, but you have so many cards, you know, if you had more people to help you, that this would get done, there'd be more money to be made. Um, so that's eventually, you know, a combination of that idea and then the desire for a place for the community to go. That's why we decided to open. And I would say 90% of our initial revenue came from buying and selling, you know, your your collection you know people want to shift out of the game into a new game pick up new cards uh, financial issues or just also need money um they just sell their collections and there's a lot of like you're eventually flea markets and stuff there's a lot of hunting down um garage sales sometimes you'll find a diamond you know like uh i had a friend what was it, an estate sale there we go an estate sale and he cleaned up you know estate sales can be huge for this stuff but yeah, it's really trying to source the cards. You know, there is a finite supply of it. You know, if I'm buying all the stuff in the area, it's like, you know, it's like there will be blood. You drink all that oil and then you got, you know. So uh, it's it's really tough to keep them going. So that's why we started traveling around the country to, to acquire these. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool, actually. Where would you say is like, well, I guess it must differ on, you know, the the game that's being played in terms of like a regional aspect. Is there... A hub of sorts, would you say, at least in the U.S., where like a lot of people gather for these kinds of things, hold events, maybe conventions, things like that. Oh yeah, so anywhere in California, I know YCS Pasadena is coming up soon. Uh, uh, California sets records; like they're going to get us booked oh, okay. the largest. Uh, so California is huge because uh, it's on the West Coast and it's proximity to where a lot of the games come from. So yeah, they're, they're huge. It seems like I've been in Indianapolis fifteen times in the last fifteen years. So. Um, I feel like, you know, Gen Con's hosted there. A lot of the bigger trading card game companies will post an event at least once a year there. The Southeast is tricky. So Florida's got a huge uh, uh, trading card game player base. Um, the problem is Florida's kind of disconnected from the rest of the country, so it's kind of harder to travel into. So you'll find that some of the Florida events, like local events, blow the doors off, regionals or anything like that. Uh, but then more of the national events, like the big uh, YCS or the Grand Prix or whatever, uh, typically don't come down to Florida very often so starting patting my cat um that's it so i would say i would say also atlanta so basically you know the southeast the west coast sort of the midwest and then northeast is kind of all over because it's the, you can drive in between the states within all the different regionals and stuff so good i'd point. almost just say uh you know anywhere in the northeast is really a good, another good hunt for it i've played at some really big events in new york we just in one in new jersey uh, we, a few months before that, we were in Hartford, Connecticut. So, you know, different states uh, for each event. But, you know, it's close enough that you'll travel for them. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense, too. Like, everything seems to be happening out in California for the most part. So that makes a lot of sense. California is crazy. Um, one of my guys is actually there right now for an event. I can't even think of which event it is. There's so many of them. Uh, a couple other staff members are <laughs> for a Final Fantasy event. And it's these obscure games where... You know, Final Fantasy, we might get 12 players for, and in California, they're getting 56. 
You know, it's sure. It's very crazy. And then you'll find some of the more traditional games like Magic Pokemon, you know, they don't get as big numbers, which is crazy because the Japanese games are so focused, you know, in, in California. So uh, since starting Project Games, what would you say is either your favorite or best card that you guys have come across? That's really hard because my favorite or best card, you know, you, bu- you buy the more expensive card each time and that, oh, that's my favorite one, the $10,000 card, well, the $15,000 card, the $25,000 card, my favorite one. Man, I don't have favorite anything, like favorite food, favorite place to be, honestly. But some of the cooler cards, some of the cooler cards we came across are more so collections. Uh, there's this guy that we knew in Palm Beach County for like the last 20 years who'd go around with the worst, crappiest binder, but I had a full set of the uh, first set of magic. Um, oh, no way. So unlimited. Yeah, full set. And he just walk around and show the people like, oh, oh, hide that. You know, what are you doing, man? You know? And then he ends up when we opened, he was coming to the store and playing like old school magic, like 25 year old decks. And he was getting demolished by the new stuff. But he was so dedicated to it. He loved it his whole <laughs> life. Well, the unfortunate end of the story is that he came up to me one day and like, oh, man, I have cancer. I got to get treatment. Um, I would want, I've been showing this my whole life and I only want you to have it. I've known you since you were a kid. I'm like, dude, uh, so to this day, I told him, man, here's how much I'll give you. You can come back to me in 25 years and give it right back to you for the same price. You know, uh, keep it a safety deposit box. So that was one of the cooler collections that I definitely remember picking up uh, just because of the significance behind it. And the fact that he, he he felt he was so close to the game that he held on to these cards for so long, wanted to share them with other people. And most importantly, like the hardest thing to do, he kept them in really good condition. So that was one of the cooler ones. And then during the Pokemon boom, some of the craziest stuff you'd see. First edition, Shadowless, fully graded 8+. I'm talking $160,000 collection come into the store, you know. That kind of stuff is uh, there. But, yeah, this guy with the Unlimited is my favorite story. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't imagine how, like, crazy that must be. That's the that's the craziest thing to me, that despite, you know, some of the some of the value behind these things, it's like the sentimental value, like, that's priceless. That's the stuff you cannot top at the end of the day. It, it blows my mind how crazy and attached people, not, not in a bad way by any means, but it's always cool to hear that. Yeah, I'm, I have an attachment to any gift, sorry, any, any, uh, card that's ever been given to me or gifted I've gotten from other stores around the country or my friends or whatever just gifted to me I've never gotten rid of and I have a binder sitting right up there presents basically and they, each one has a story of a different friend or a travel oh that's amazing so in speaking of the value of cards you know like what for the uninitiated I'd say like what is what do you guys look for when you're out there hunting for these different singles and these different collections you know what are some of the key aspects that make these things valuable to you guys so two different things like the i would say the average thing we hunt after for is like binders with volume like you know if it's sometimes you'll have a you'll have a binder it's all one dollar cards we don't even want to bother with that there's such high fee we don't want to process one we want to process five dollar plus cards so if we see a guy walks up and he's got a binder with 600 five dollar plus cards you know we'll sit there with him for about an hour we have a scanning software we sit there we scan it and we get the exact price online and we offer about 65% cash on that. Um, so that's really what we're looking for. But you, I personally look for the big fish. Like I want to buy that $5,000 card. You know, I want to buy it. But more importantly, I want to be the guy that sold it. I'm sitting on some of the rarest cards. Like I can go on for a while. I have a card that's never been sold before. How much is it worth? $5, $10, $1,000, $100,000. You know, you have no idea. 
And I like that stuff, you know, they're more obscure, hard to move because you get joy when you buy it, make money on it. And honestly, if you find someone to sell it, you know, you're selling like information, you're almost a broker at that point. And that's fun to me. Sure. I brokered a hundred thousand uh, dollar alpha black Lotus during Gen Con. That was pretty sick. Uh, went for 90 and guy sold for 110. I got a little kickback. So guy made 20 K, you know? Oh, wow. That's crazy. That's that's really cool to me, actually. Like the fact that you have cards that have never been sold before. You're literally like, you're part of the history at that point. Yeah. And the card isn't like, the, the few set of these cards aren't super significant. One's a Yu-Gi-Oh card, a Magic card. They're not super significant cards, but like they're just so rare and odd. And they really kind of have this unknown value. So before you were talking about kind of having uh, you know some of the events and tournaments you guys have been involved with. So we're just wondering what is, uh, you know, your favorite part of hosting events with other people? Oh, this is an easy one, man. Like we just help, we just host our regional. We have 214 players, which is a pretty good sign. We got the Palm Beach County record for it. And like the fact oh, that wow. Congrats. five people came up to us and were like, thank you so much for this event. Uh, we also do charity raffles at all of our events. We raised like $2,200 for the Adopt Cat Foundation. $2,200 out of 214 people. Like that's pretty good numbers, you know? Mm -hmm. We were raffling off some really rare stuff too, so it was really cool getting to help and donate and uh, donate to that uh, Adopt the Cat Foundation. But it's just the praise of the players who say like, "Yo, this is a great event, man. Thank you." Uh, we take a loss on. We just hosted a five thousand dollar tournament in Tampa. We lost like three grand doing it, and you know what? It's for the players, it's for our friends. So that's the best part about doing it. You know, the guy I grew up. It's, it's insane. These guys that I grew up. I mean, seriously, I've been playing games with them for 17 years. I knew the one dude since he's 12. He's won three of these huge tournaments now and a, a world-renowned name and, you know, getting to put on stuff for them. And that's why I do it. That, that's literally it. Like, we lose we lose a lot of money on events a year. And, uh, I'm giving away a play, PlayStation 5 next week, and it's for the players. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. We just interviewed a friend of ours who is very involved with the Smash Melee community here in New England, and he does a ton of TOing, and we got the exact same kind of answer from him. You know, it's about the people who love it. It's about the people who do it. it blows my mind how similar that answer was, and I'm so happy it is because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't matter about the money. It matters about the connections. It matters about the people, and it matters about the love of the game. So that's wicked cool to hear that you guys are succeeding so well in that. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, like uh, I, I never understood the mentality of like now I do, but uh, someone that like a judge, a, kind of, someone that judges a game doesn't get to ever enjoy the, the events or anything like that. It's just reading the rules and disqualifying people, and I never understood that. But I recently did because it, it is for love of the game. Because without those judges, there is no game. So they're doing it very selfless. And, you know, I'm not saying we're saints here, but, you know, 90% of storytellers I know are, stay, are working 50 plus hours just so they can stay a couple extra hours with two guys that want to finish a match. You know, it's just it's for the guy. Like, you make memories with them, you know. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's for the love of the players. It's good to see that you guys are succeeding and doing so well. Like you're running these crazy events, you know, you're breaking records. I've also seen, you know, you're pretty active on YouTube. You guys have like a solid channel with a lot of good content on there. With the pandemic that happened over the past two years and with the crazy popularity and like trading card boom that happened due to like, you know, big celebrities getting into it and whatnot. 
I see you guys have a lot of box break content on there, for instance. Like, has that affected your growth in a real positive way? Has it, you know, not really contributed as much? So the YouTube did was doing really well for us in the beginning. Like, we only have 700 and some odd subscribers. You know, we're really trying to get it there. But uh, we're really pouring our heart into it, editing and everything for the YouTube content. But during COVID, it was pretty interesting because we actually got, even though we had 300 subscribers, we had a video that got like 30,000 views and we sold a ton of this product. Uh, but mostly of the socials are popular. It was on Instagram for all of last year. And then out of nowhere, we woke up one day and Instagram was gone. Um, so we kind of lost that. So we started recently hopping back on, well, what other social media can we get onto? We have TikTok. That's doing pretty well for us. And we're starting to really fan out the YouTube. The box break contents are popular. We're thinking about branching off the whatnot, which is just basically box break content. But yeah, the pandemic really sh- completely shifted how we do our business. It was, I would say 70% was uh, foot traffic. 80% was foot traffic before and we were relying on that retail. But during the pandemic, we lost that. I just quickly built a website and we started selling on there. And uh, since then, things have kind of boomed off, you know, and, you know, with, with, with the pandemic ending, you know, the things like Pokemon prices have plummeted um, because the hype's not all there, you know, so many people bought into it that at first, and then uh, here we are with Pokemon prices. But during the pandemic, things I couldn't sell for a hundred dollars, I was selling for thousands. It That's was, crazy. Like, it was life-changing and it was the only way like, have that significant of a change in the industry and that popularity like it would not i don't think it would have happened for decades uh yeah. that not recently occurred unfortunately mm-hmm. that was like one of the craziest parts to me and you know my dad is is huge into well he's 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 trying to branch out into more traditional uh trading cards uh not necessarily um playing them but he's into the market of buying and selling like sports cards are his juice so i'm glad to hear this from somebody who actually works in the industry about kind of more of an insight on what that looks like because you know he like god love him he was like oh my god this is like the second coming of christ like he was he was going off about it so i'm glad to hear uh like you know there was ups there there was downs but i'm glad to see you guys got like a very nice life-changing kind of moment out of that. Yeah, it kind of was the second coming of Christ. We were, one of, I mean, we were still one of the only sports. <laughs> so we were hosting like uh, uh, duels online, and oh, cool. We were one of the first people to open back up with gloves and masks and sanitizer all over the place. But you know, we at one point even had screens in front of us. But um, it kind of was the second coming of Christ. The price of like sports cards and anything collectible just blew up during COVID. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. That doesn't mean it will happen again. But if you're interested in like that stock aspect of it, tcgplayer.com, you can actually look at the price of cards over a year or so, and it will show you up, down, up, down, up, down. And you can kind of do the same thing with stock investment. You know, you think, okay, it's at a high, it's at a low, it's at a high, it's at 30 cops a day. Oh, for sure. I mean, it is it is 100% that at the end of the day. And that's like, that's the crazy part to me is like, you know, it, it, it's the stuff that like, I love that, I traditionally grew up around, you know, like I've been playing Pokemon my entire life. Suddenly billionaires are talking about Pikachu cards, you know, and that's what was super crazy to me about it. So I'm glad to, I'm glad to see it benefited you guys for sure. Yeah, seriously. Uh, it sucks, but like we had, I was mentioning there was no events down in South Florida ever. And there was this huge one coming from magic for the first time, in like 30 years. And he has been out in Palm Beach County right up the street from us. And, uh, you know, that got canceled and, you know, the hobby basically died for an entire year, but 
you know, there was that resurgence that kind of made up for it. So while the industry lost money and stores closed and everything like that, more people during the boom were able to flourish and uh, new stores came from the ashes of the other stores. So it literally was the second coming of Christ for the industry. Yeah. So I know you said earlier you don't have any uh, favorite anything, but what are some uh, of the like physical card or, or tabletop games that, you know, you enjoy the most? So I grew up playing when I was obviously very young, I played Pokemon. I love that. You know, I still have like, I'm never going to get rid of the original collection, you know. It's not even worth that much, so I would never get rid of it. Um, so I grew up playing Pokemon, then like mid-teens, I switched into Yu-Gi-Oh. I probably played it for about a decade. I was pretty pretty good at the game, you know, and uh, that was when I was really having all this time to focus on it. So then after that, before I opened the store, I was playing Magic for four or five years. And again, I was pretty good at it because I had time to focus on it. So I went from Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic. And now, since the beginning of this year, I had dove head deep into Yu-Gi-Oh. Actually, that's what I'm getting ready to do uh, soon here. Uh, I'm getting ready to play a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. A new store actually opened up in Colorado, and I want to check them out. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, I I never could get into Yu-Gi-Oh myself, but a huge Pokemon fan. I, I, I wish I did get into Yu-Gi-Oh, but... I don't know when we when we had Pokemon cards back in the schoolyard. People were way about Pokemon at my school, and not as much about Yu-Gi-Oh. The old Yu-Gi-Oh cards aren't even really worth much unless you had like very old, immaculate condition cards. Same thing with the Pokemon card, the old stuff. You're you just say you're playing on the playground. Like who had the foresight to, to keep it in good condition? Exactly. I all that. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's not tradition. It's not as much like a trading card game itself. But Lucas mentioned, uh, you know, some of your favorite trading card games to play. We have played quite a few number of like deck building games in terms. So we're uh, we too are very very partial to a game called Boss Monster. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Oh, yeah, one of my all times. Boss Monster playmat somewhere around here. Oh, um, no way. <laughs> yeah. My big deck builders, though, are Star Realms. Star Realms, I've been playing for since that game came out. I have every expansion for it. I bring it with me to every event. It's like my box of fun, and it just pops out, and you play this amazing deck builder. I love Star Realms and highly recommend anyone play Star Realms. All right. For sure. We'll have to check it out. We occasionally like hit up a tabletop simulator to play like Boss Monster and different games on there. So we'll see if they, we'll see if we can find ourselves a, a kid of star realms on there because i've heard quite quite a good amount of things about that game so yeah it's on, it's on the phone now too and you can just play uh, online matches or play against the ai the AI is very good or a pass and play it a lot of, it's annoying for some people i think <laughs> but a lot of times i'll be at a restaurant and here and we'll pass and play star realms we did that literally for years with his ipad and we'd play risk <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good time one thing I saw on your website that I was pretty interested in is uh, I know you guys are blowing up and really, really getting out there. It mentioned that in your about us that you were looking for a bigger space. Um, what do you guys have in mind for the future? Are you trying to stay kind of in Palm Beach? Uh, I know Florida recently got super, super hit with the hurricane, so I can't imagine that's been easy at all. But, you know. What are you guys thinking for the future? Yeah, luckily the hurricane didn't really impact our coast. Knocked some trees down, broke some fences, broke a couple windows, it wasn't too insane for our area. Um, something, the dream that we've always had, you know, it's like we grew from 2,200 square foot to 3,000 some odd square foot. Now we're like 4,500, 4,600 square foot. 
we got the shed, two storage. Like we're, we just have, we have so much product in the back. There's like literally no room to walk. We have three people shipping out all day, all week, and so our play area has sort of suffered. Our play area is probably like 2,800 square foot. We could sit about 75, 80 people comfortably, but we're looking to host those 200 plus person events, and uh, we're looking to have an event center. Another important thing that I've really been wanting for years is a cafe. A lot of my favorite stores all have like cafes or at least healthier snacks to have. Like all honesty, all we offer are Snickers and Kit Kats and, a, and soda. It's just not my favorite thing to serve and sell. So, so an event center somewhere. And a lot of stores do have this. It's really cool. But a, a split off area where you can host the big tournaments, go play your card games, uh, maybe pick up singles and sell your singles there. And you have some food, so you want to stay for these events a lot longer. I'm actually looking to buy a hot dog. I bought a hot dog cart. Maybe we'll do something with it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just trying to branch out and really do the do the event space more and give Palm Beach County bigger places to play and look for those bigger tournaments and bigger events with bigger prize support is what we're trying to do. And, you know, one day we wouldn't mind opening a second location just to reach uh, people further north of Palm Beach County. But the heart's in Palm Beach County. I, I live in Colorado now, and I'm – I could open a store tomorrow and be very successful, but it's really about um, Palm Beach County. I saw the tours of your store on YouTube and like, I was, I was blown away and it looked super impressive. The amount of space you guys had. Uh, so like, that's crazy to me that you're like going for the real crazy big event spaces. Yeah. You see all that space that we have again, sitting 75, 80 people. And like, that's a Thursday, you know, like there's for sure people in the building on a Thursday and, we want to host a hundreds, you know, like people in these, this, this place, but, you know, uh, thinking about it being lucrative or not, because like, we don't make any money off our tournaments. We lose money at all of our tournaments. Matter of fact, and like, you know, it's 70 people doesn't translate to 70 transactions. And uh, so then you're hosting a space that really doesn't make money and, and it's very big. So, you know, you really have to compensate in other areas or have that cafe that is there making the money. Um, but, I really want a bigger space for our players. If you expanded to the bigger, almost event center like space, would that be, cause you mentioned you guys had a shed and stuff. I'm trying to picture what this looks like. Would you kind of just expand upon the location you're already at and make it bigger or go buy a, a bigger place somewhere else? So we actually tried buying a bigger place during COVID and Oh my God, the city bought us so hard. We tried that once and we've been in the same location for five years, almost five years now. Um, and we reckon, I mean, there's no way to get a bigger space out of there. One day, ideally we have a small little warehouse where we're shipping out another week we're online there. And we could actually knock the walls down where we are for now to make a big event space. But uh, that's a very far off project. My, my goal, my biggest goal in life is to own a forklift. Personally, I have a passion <laughs> for forklifts. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I, yeah, I saw uh, that on your Instagram. I thought that was yeah, funny. Yeah, so we want to we wanna eventually have a warehouse. That would be like a dream. And then we would have – because we had the warehouse, we could shift all the office out of there. We would have a bigger play area for our players. And I think we estimated that we could hold about 110 once we could knock on the walls down. That's pretty impressive. Well, hey, man, I'm hoping you get that forklift. Like I, I, I feel the passion and, you know, I'm, I'm manifesting good things for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Forklift the dream. <laughs> Since this is a uh, a video game podcast, uh, we got to ask you what uh, you know if you're playing any video games now, and if those are mostly like virtual, you know, tabletop games or card games, or if uh, you know you have different genres. 
Yeah, we're really so, obsessed with uh, Slay the Spire here. All three of oh, us at at this podcast. <laughs> yeah, me four. I love Slay the Spire. So I've been a PC gamer all my life. Like my parents bought me a, the original PlayStation. It was awesome. And I played PS2. Mostly, yeah, and I bought a PS3 just to play the Metal Gear game. The PS, I, I had Metal Gear and like Silent Hill, and there's that's about it. We're like <laughs> the big console games. Or a lot of JRPGs, Final uh, mm-hmm. stuff. That's really cool. But now it's on the computer, you know? So I have my gaming computer back there. I've been building gaming computers most of my life. Um, so the last in the last six months, I've played... I mostly play card games, dude. Uh, it's crazy. I have this big, powerful gaming computer to play Slay the Spire or Monster... Monster Train. If you guys have a Monster Train, it's made by it's made by the guys from Slay the Spire. It's like a spiritual oh, sequel. It's called Monster okay. Train. So I'd highly recommend that one. I play a lot of virtual um, Yu-Gi-Oh! on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I got back into Hearthstone recently. So again, like more card game heavies. Uh, what I play, I play. I just beat Cyberpunk recently. Sure, really cool. sure. Um, I try to play the games on like the most difficult settings. I'm spending like sixty bucks on them, like eight hour, like the Resident Evil games. Yes. Yeah, I always fire up the hardest difficulty. That way, you get like that's what we love to hear. We have a whole episode about that specific thing. <laughs> yeah, you turn a twelve-hour game into a sixteen-hour accomplishment. You know, uh, my other favorites are like any of the uh, Elder Ring, Sekiro. Sekiro is my favorite. I remember beating Sek. Like every time I get stuck on a boss, Sekiro for a week and a half, and I beat them, I would just my chest is pumping, and I just love challenges. <laughs> and, like that's why I like card games so much because it's not you, you can you can have a better deck than your opponent and still lose. You know, because that's the challenge ultimately because you're playing with a factor of luck, you know, and like that's the challenge. And I, card game, especially Yu Gi Oh, they're extremely challenging and harder than any other video game you're going to play outside of uh, some of their ghost and ghoul or any, something like that, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. But I like challenging, I like challenging computer games. And then I played mostly card games. I love that. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of uh, the hardest difficulty as you can. Uh, my roommate told that to me one time, and then I never went back. You mentioned JRPGs. I have to ask: You a Kingdom Hearts guy? You like Kingdom Hearts? No. No, I, I played. I just don't like Disney in general. <laughs> and even if I did, the game's really easy. It's like square, 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 mash, 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 mash. Hey man, not if you're playing on that hardest difficulty. Yeah, I haven't played Kingdom Hearts. I think <laughs> I played the original one and didn't play any more of them. Um, but JRPGs, man, like the original old turn-based JRPGs, like. I, oh yeah. Big fans, big fans. Yeah, my favorites were like Legend of Lagaya, Xeno Gears, uh, Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger, um, Final Fantasy. Like Final Fantasy Nine was the first one I played, and that just like stuck out to me the most. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. So you know, we're we're kind of running out of the time. Towards you said you get a bounce. I got one more kind of question for you. If you had to recommend, like, just to round it out. If you had to recommend any trading card game for people to get into, if they've never never touched a deck building game, never touched any of this kind of realm before, you know, what would be the one that you would recommend for beginners for all our video game listeners who might want to transition over? 100% magic, especially with uh, Magic Arena, you have a computer. It's very easy to learn on the computer. We have an influx of players. I played on the computer and I wanted to come in and play real people. And I bought these cards and spent hundreds of dollars and I want to get good and competitive. Uh, Magic is the easy, is an easy card game to, uh, to learn. Uh, millions and millions of people play it. So you can go to any, any store in the country, the world, people are playing Magic. 
Um, Magic has this huge player base and has a bunch of good good online content. It's you know, uh, I got people that just got into Magic a month ago and they're playing very casual Commander is really the gateway. Gotcha. It's, it's cheap. It's easy. Makes a lot of sense. You're playing with four people and they're all guiding you and how to play. And you know, it's a very open, welcoming community. Very welcoming community. Um, you know, you might find some gatekeeping or something like that with the really high competitive players. But of course, a casual player isn't going to go sit down and play a game with them. But Magic is by far the is an easier. <laughs> I keep saying easiest, but Pokemon I think is easiest, but uh, easier card game to get into. And if you're looking at another card game, like to be honest with you, outside of Pokemon, like Yu-Gi-Oh is the most challenging card game I've ever played. Um, all these other games are very challenging and there's not a big player base for them. It's you Got it. Yeah. Magic 100%. Well, you hear, heard it here first folks, you know, if you're in Southern Florida and you want to learn a new card game, head on down to prodigy prodigy games and try out some magic. Yes. If you do come in, yeah, seriously, we'll sit down, teach you. A lot of us have just free cards. We'll give you, you come by, you tell me you want to learn commander. I'm going to hook you up. I'll take, I'll knock it down as well as I can sell it to you. you know? That's what we love to hear. Yeah. It's about that time where we are just going to give you the floor. Uh, you can plug yourself, plug Prodigy Games, anything you guys have like upcoming or you're going to be making appearances at. Uh, you know, Let the people know what's going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Prodigy Games, prodigygamestcg.com. So it's prodigygamestradingcardgame.com. Uh, we're always the lowest price, so we have coupons abound on there, five percent off. These Project Games Five will save you five percent off your first order. Um, and again, we will be any price on sealed products. If you find a cheaper price, email we'll beat it. Call us up, we'll beat it. Um, we have great customer service. We're really, it's just a heart for heart for everything. You know, we're not just a, a corporate store. Everyone, a lot of these people I grew up with, uh, playing with them are my friends, and we all are so passionate about growing our company and growing our brand. Um, you know, we really bend over backwards for customer service. And if you're in South Florida, um, we do pride ourselves in being one of the best in South Florida, uh, not in all of Florida. And we just really think we've gotten that way because we care so much about community. We're so community focused and centric. Um, we're not just here to make money. You know, it's not our thing. Matter Absolutely. of fact, we, uh, <laughs> every penny we make, we just reinvest back in the company. It's bigger and bigger and bigger tournaments. Like I mentioned, we lost three thousand dollars in our last tournament. And you know what, man? luckily we're you know we're, we're there we can do it you know we can afford to take the hits because those guys really want to play in that five thousand. i mean the guy walked away with two thousand dollars in his pocket just for showing up yeah. that's awesome that's huge so we're here we're here for the community you know we're here for the community we found our success and our strides because of the community and the support of our players and the support of people online and when we go to these events people walk up and i buy from you guys all the time you guys are so cheap you guys get it to me so quickly so yeah we're here for you um we're here for the players we're this this isn't like some get rich quick scheme because it's not working. If it is, um, <laughs> but I, I, honestly, the industry—I got to tell you—the industry is so tough. A lot of people ask me about opening up shops and how they want to do it, and this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, dude, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And you know, it's taken almost five years to get to this point. And like, you see, sixty percent of these stores are shut down in the first second year of business. It's just. It is not an easy industry to be in. It's probably just as hard as the restaurant industry, you know? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, I highly recommend people go to the local game shops, support the local game stores. Without these game stores, there is no hobby. Uh, that's true. You can sit in your room and collect cards as much as you want, but the trading and all that, the whole trading of the trading card game is gone. So you definitely, you know, want to show support when you can. 
uh, whenever you're in the new state, new country, whatever it is, try to buy a booster pack. You know, they appreciate it. They love seeing that kind of stuff. Go on out, go to these stores, you know, learn the game online, pick up a commander deck and go meet some new friends. Uh, that's what I would, it's the biggest takeaway from the whole thing. You know, go meet your friends. Absolutely, man. I I couldn't thank you enough for being on here. I, I love everything you guys are about. And, you know, your entire business model, that is going to buy you what money can't buy. You know, that's the loyalty, that's the support, and that's the love of the community. And you guys are providing a place for players to be their best selves. So, you know, from from one gaming industry to another, thank you for doing what you're doing, man. Thank you all for doing what you're doing. You know, it's it's all about community. It's community video games, community trading card games, community golf, community bowling, whatever it is, you know. We want these to stick around. People want to keep making excellent video games and better card games and just producing content for the things that we love. We've got to keep this going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we know you got to bounce. I wish you luck in your Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament, my friend. And yeah. once again, thanks <laughs> for coming on. Luck. Yeah. <laughs> hey, much love, y'all. Thank you so much for having me. It was really awesome talking with you guys. Well, Lucas, that was quite a good interview, I'd say. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, definitely. I mean, as someone who's not super familiar with uh, you know, trading cards in that industry, definitely was a great uh, kind of introduction. Yukio and Pokemon cards are something that like I hadn't gotten familiar with uh, since I was a wee lad. But uh, glad to see they're still going strong because you know, I was having fun with them uh, back then. So nice to see they're still going now. Absolutely. I also just uh, want to shout out the fact that a lot of the money and profits they're making from these tournaments and these events, they're giving back to charity. I s specifically want to mention, in case you didn't catch that, that they're donating to help homeless cats. Adopt-A-Cat Foundation? I don't realize if you heard that, and I was like this close to calling it out in the interview, but... uh. If you remember, you were very against adopting the cats. Uh, so I'd like to just, you know, I'm not alone out here, sir. You got to save the cats. All I'm saying. I, as someone that works in an animal hospital, I am very pro adopting uh, pets of all <laughs> kinds. Uh, let me just, that for the record, that is, uh, that's my stance. And... Uh, <laughs> That's that's where we're at, but oh, uh, but yeah, oh you know that's God. that's that's great. That's that's a good um, charity to uh, to donate to because you know there's too many uh, too many strays as it is. So absolutely, absolutely, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Save the cats. I will definitely be checking out Monster Train. I don't know about you. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Golf Story on my Switch recently, so once that game comes to a conclusion, uh, I'll hit up that that monster train what is that developer's name i i always forget unity is the uh that's the, the engine. engine mega crit that that is the developer this for monster train it says the developer is shiny shoe <laughs> oh maybe not so... by the same people either way that sounds fun though i'm always into these card games and these deck building games we gotta play some more tabletop sim Lucas, we got to try out Star Realms. I know we have not uh, done tabletop sim in since like the beginning of the pandemic. I know, and now that you've got a wired connection down in your <laughs> gaming cave, we can do that content. Yeah, 
<laughs> we can we can uh diversify our uh our streaming for sure well folks thank you for tuning into another wonderful interview here with us uh i'm i'm proud of us lucas we're killing it with the with the back and forth the one-to-one ratio who might we have next you'll find out it's a huge surprise we got a killer guest lineup <laughs> you're gonna find it's, out who it it's, is it's a surprise even to us <laughs> until then you can find us on youtube spotify instagram our twitter we got it back our twitter's been resurrected we're redeveloping we it. are now of age we are of age now uh i just put my own birthday for the birthday so that's it'll good work because now. you are definitely not uh three years old so oh, for good. sure and uh, while you're at it, folks, while you're checking this out, you know, looking into some video game content, you might as well just like click subscribe right on YouTube right there. You know, it's, it's big red button right there for you. Help us grow our channel, help support different businesses and voices in the gaming community like our friend Ryan, who we just had on. And, uh, you know, if you're in Southern Florida, go check out Prodigy Games. Looks like a really cool place to to play. Subscribe to them on YouTube too. They're there. They have content. You can even see exactly what their store looks like inside. Go check it out. And uh, until next time, I'm going to be trying to master the game of golf, both virtually <laughs> and in real life. So catch you out on the course, Lucas. Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe next season. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, folks.